This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. I want to welcome you back. We have um, about an hour hour left this morning. I thank you so much for your uh, your visits up here. It's good to visit with you one on one. And uh, I know our time is so limited, but I hope that we can connect. Please do feel free to jot down or stop by our booth and get the um, the business cards so that you can email and keep in touch and let me know how God blesses you in your journey with Him. All right, ready for target practice? All right, let's look at some ways that we can reach people's hearts and uh, get into some practical things with it. I'd like to begin our second part with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you with gratefulness, gratefulness for the great compassion that you have for us. We're thankful for the way that you see us. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you don't judge us by our appearance. I'm so thankful that you stick with us and you pursue us day after day after day. And even though your love has turned back so many times, you do not give up in the dream and the goal that you have of reaching our hearts and bonding us to you in such tight bonds that we will be with you for all eternity. And Lord, help us to see people like you see them. And Lord, please help us to care for them the way you care for them. And in doing that, I pray that we will reach people's hearts and their hearts will be so filled with Jesus that the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. God, I pray that you'll bless us. Please take this remaining time that we have together and show us exactly what you want us to learn as we do some target practice, as we look at how to reach people's hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are and what you've done for us. We love you for it. But we want to know more. Please awaken a greater and greater thirst and hunger within us for more of Jesus. Thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. What is the goal? Our goal is to reach people's hearts. Education page 436 says, Your success will not depend upon so much upon your knowledge and accomplishments as upon your ability to find your way to the heart. There's a few things I want to notice in here. One is that God doesn't look at us and say, well, she doesn't know enough. He doesn't know enough to be a soul winner. He doesn't look at us and say, she hasn't done enough yet. And so I please encourage you not to look at yourself either, but to take yourself where you are. You know, the interesting thing is, if you've taken two steps in the Christian journey and you've learned two things about the love of God, you are automatically commissioned to go share your experience with those two steps and commissioned to go share those two things that you've learned about God. And if they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, guess what you can say? I don't know, but I'd like to find out. Let's see if we can find out together. Don't be intimidated by what you don't know. Don't be intimidated by what you haven't done or what you can't do. Share what you know and uh, do what you can do and tell the testimony of where you are. And you know what's really fun? To have somebody come up to you and say, I can't, I don't know where God is right now. This is happening in my life. And then you all of a sudden recognize in your spiritual journey, you're saying the same thing. And you can come back to them and say, I don't know either. But let's find them. It's okay to be a fellow journeyman, a fellow pilgrim with people. It's okay to seek with them. People need people to come alongside them. They need people to share in their journey. Now, when you get five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten steps down the journey and you're like, oh, I know where Jesus is when that happens, you know, and you're solid and secure, don't forget to back up and see the world through their eyes because they may not be there yet. And remember that their battles are really, really, really real. And uh, please don't come back with those little cliches that say, well, just have faith, just trust, you know. It's, uh, you know, they're trying with all their life to survive and do those things, but they don't know how to. 
We've got to come alongside a person and see them the way Jesus sees them and care for them, minister to them, take them where they are, and then step by step lead them to know Jesus. So you've got to find out where a person is. And when you see what their battle wounds are, what they're dealing with, what they're facing, what they're up against, what's happened to them, go to the life of Jesus. Search until you find the place in the life of Jesus where he suffered. Because until you answer the question, where is God for them, they won't know where he is. And the best thing we can do is show a person where God is. And another thing from this little comment here is that we need to find our way to the heart. Have you ever lost something? What did you do? You searched for it. And so as you approach people, it's not necessarily going to be obvious. You have to find your way to the heart. It's going to take some time. You have to spend time with people and get to know them. I really admire a friend of ours who is a, he's a master mechanic. And you know, the interesting thing about this mechanic is that he goes to all the different seminars. He learns how to work on diesels. He learns how to work on Volvos. He goes to all these different specialized seminars. But you know, that's not what makes him a master mechanic. He understands the heart of vehicles. He understands the things that are common in vehicles, and he knows them inside and out. And uh, you can break down at a gas station like we did, and he can, in 10 minutes, he can say, take your hammer and tap here, <laughs> and it'll get you five miles home, and then we'll work on it from there. I mean, he just, he just knows. He can diagnose like a pro. It's just amazing. But it's not because he's, he's studied the differences of vehicles. That's an advantage. But... The real advantage that he has is he understands the common things in vehicles. He understands the heart of a vehicle. And so if you want to be a master, if you want Jesus to use you in the most powerful way to reach people and to work with them, you need to see what is common in people. You need to understand the heart, which is that place that Jesus wants to dwell. And the, one of the first things that you need to do in your life is you need to reveal God through your life. And I hope she doesn't mind, but there's someone who shared with me that there was an individual, an atheist, he said, I've been through this, this, and this, and you've been through this, this, and this. I'm not happy, and you are happy. Mm. Wow. When we reveal God's love through our life, we have been incredibly successful in drawing someone to Jesus. And it doesn't matter how they fight, kick, scream, tell us our answers don't make sense. If they have said that, you're happy and I'm not happy, they have seen that you have what they want. And so I want to encourage us all to seek for the peace, the happiness, the joy, the confidence, the, um, the, the confidence about the future, just the real life that Jesus has for us, because when people see a real smile, they won't forget it. When people see that you have chaos in your life, but you're okay with it, they won't forget it. So much of our testimony is what they see on a daily basis, what they see in our life. And uh, when people can say, I want what you have, it's amazing. I had a lady, I was visiting her during evangelistic meetings, and at that point she didn't make a decision, but I still felt something powerful happened. She told me, she said, why don't you dance? Why don't you eat meat? Why don't you eat all these different things? And she said, I feel so sorry for you. She said, you're missing out on so much. She said, you know, you just, you don't, you don't dance, you don't wear jewelry, you don't eat meat, you don't do these different things. She said, I feel so sorry for you. And... Uh, God will give you the words. Trust him. I asked her, I said, am I happy? She looked at me and she had that like chagrined look like, she said, you are. And I'm not. (laughs) And I, that's all we had to say. (laughs) And you know, the thing is, people need to see that what we have in Jesus is good stuff. The way we have in Jesus is worth smiling about. 
All right? So put the smile on if you're happy. <laughs> you know, if you're happy and you know it, <laughs> your face will surely show it, right? And so I just thought to myself, oh, praise God, you know, because that's the answer. If people see us going, oh, no, I can't dance, <laughs> you know, you're right. <laughs> you know, we're just buying into the lie that Adam and Eve bought into that God, you know, all the trees in the garden weren't enough because, oh, that one tree. Like, just eat that one tree, and God is withholding. We can't go around like that, can we? Because reaching people's hearts, so much of awakening that spiritual longing, that nameless longing, remember it's nameless? They need to put a name on it, don't they? And so when they see it, they go, wait a minute, what? What? What was that? And even if you don't know they're watching, they go on their way and they go, his kids just threw a tantrum and he was calm. Man, what does he have that I don't have? You know, you and your girlfriend just broke up and you're okay? Man, I'd be, I'd be a basket case. You hear what I'm saying? Now, now, don't get me wrong. If you and your girlfriend or you and your boyfriend break up and you're a basket case, you can still cry. But tell them Jesus still loves me. That will speak volumes. Because they will realize nobody loves me when I go through that. So it's not about being tough and not breaking down. It's about knowing Jesus. And when you know Jesus, it will shine through. You know, a little girl that said, the preacher said that Jesus is bigger than us, but he lives in us. That means he shines through, right? Because he's bigger than us, but he lives in us. And so our life needs to show it needs to model to the world what people are looking for. And, and you, can't make, you know, can't make yourself be that way. You have to passionately seek for Jesus. And as you do, it will spill out into the world around you. Pray for wisdom to see the heart as God sees it. And pray for divine appointments. I was parked at Yosemite National Park. And I was, I was there alone. It was, I was in my single days. And I was there on vacation. I parked there. And next to me, about two spaces over, was a lady by herself and she was looking at the scenery, and I'm like, Lord, how can I reach her heart? And, you know, what, what can you show me about this person that maybe I could reach? But, you know, we, we have our little walls around us. We don't just invade each other's space. And so I'm just praying. That's all I did. What did I do? I prayed. That's all. She looks over from her driver's side, across her empty passenger seat, across an empty parking spot, over to me where I'm sitting in my driver's seat with my window down, and she said, it's beautiful, isn't it? I said, yes, it is. makes me think about God. And uh, she started, she said, yeah. And you could tell she was really thoughtful. And she started talking about why she was vacationing there and where she lived, and I told her where I lived and things like that. And before, before we knew it, I was out of the car, and I was talking to her through her window. And she shared with me a part of her journey. She said, you know, I used to be a Christian. She said, I, uh, my husband was a Christian, he was terribly cruel and abusive. And she said, now I'm, we're divorced, I'm remarried, I'm married to a guy who doesn't even profess any religion, but he's so good to me. And she said, you know, it's been hard. She said, it's been hard to keep my faith. It's been hard to figure it all out. And so where do you think we went? We went to the life of Jesus, and we looked at the experience he had gone through with close religious people. And I shared with her, Jesus did that because he knew what you would have to go through when you face this trial in your life. And we ended up exchanging um, contact information, 
And, um, you know, she left with that light in her eyes. As you can see, there was a renewed desire to get back on the spiritual track and to get closer to God. But the thing that so impressed me with that experience was I sat in my vehicle, she sat in hers, and there the two will meet, you know? It just, you know, how do you span that chasm between you and, um, you know, good, especially here in the Western world, you know, people are... People value their privacy and their space, and they don't like religious people that come banging on their door and, and, you know, putting books in their face and things like that. But there is an art to reaching people's heart, and we have to rely on God. We have to turn to God, and we have to pray, Lord, you open the pathway. He's still in the business of making dry paths through deep red seas, through Jordan rivers. He can still make that way between People, you know, that we, li- we live in a land where people are self-satisfied. So pray for wisdom to see the heart as God sees. And go deeper in your conversations. I like to use this little list of things here. Clichés. Can you give me some clichés? This is a real simple one. How are you? I'm fine. Okay, fine. Doing good. Okay, now uh, how's the weather? It's good. Um, well, how's life been going? Well, busy as ever. You know, I hear you've had some tough, tough times. Well, yeah, you know, you just got to buck up and take it. It's water under the bridge. You know, so much of our conversation is all these little cliches. It's just, you know, it's just this, this fluffy stuff that you just kind of feel, you know, it makes, makes sounds, you know. And then there's facts. You know, there's the facts about the weather. Well, it's raining, and we're going on a trip, and uh, we just bought a new car. And, um, the, you know, the kids are in grade two, and... Um, you know, they got a scholarship, and this is going on, and I'm enrolling here, and those are facts, right? And, um, you know, what have you been studying lately? The book of Galatians. Okay, those are facts, right? What have you learned lately? And uh, things like that. Opinions. What do you think about? How do you see this situation? Now, are we getting a l- onto a little bit more dangerous ground here? Opinions, what is, what is the potential when you have an opinion? The p- potential is that there'll be a difference of opinion and that you'll have a disagreement. Now, I, wanna, I just want to share some things. What can you say when there's a disagreement? Sometimes we feel stuck. We're like, I can't say, well, that's, I can't say anything because I don't want to agree with them. You know? It's like, you know, well, I recently had a relative visiting and, you know, and I had to be careful, too, because my children that were there, but they said, you know, I really, I really think that people's, you know, choices as far as marriage and homosexuality and things like that, I really think that, you know, everyone, I think it's okay to do any of them, you know? I think it's, a, well, what do you, you know, there's an opinion, right? We're getting deeper, right? We're getting to people's opinions. And um, now, I would encourage you one thing. When a person has an opinion different from yours, ask them more questions. Can you tell me more? Would you repeat that after me? Can you tell me more about, of, your, of your thoughts? So then they'll tell you more. Now, what's, what's interesting is if they say, well, this and this and this. You know, I've just seen people get really judged for the choices they make in life, and I don't think that's right. I don't think we have a right to judge other people. Well, now you're getting onto some common ground. Could you agree with that? I agree. I don't think we should label people before we really know what they've been through or why they're making the choices that we're making. Now I'm agreeing, aren't I? But they know that we're not agreeing with their first statement. People are smart. People are smart, especially when they get in the realm of opinions. 
or I believe, I believe that as soon as you die, you go straight to heaven. That's an opinion, right? I agree with you. No, we can't say that, can we? I disagree with you. Good idea, bad idea. It might not be the heart issue at the time. Can you, can you share a little bit more with me? Do you, you know, you do feel like that happens as soon as you die. You know, share a little bit more. How did you come to that conclusion? And things like that. And, you know, what, what are some of the reasons that you've, you know, come to that conclusion? Well, I just don't think it, you know, I just don't think it's fair that people should burn in hell when they die. I think they should go straight to, you know, you just never know what they're going to say. And I find that if you take, if you ask another question and you get a little bit further, closer to the heart issues of why they say what they say, you are going to find some common ground. You're going to find a place of ministry. So when people disagree with you, ask them more questions. Now, this is a, this is a touchy-feely one. <laughs> when you get, how do you feel about that? And I, I will say, though, that it is important to not presume. I, was, I had a car accident, and I, there was a physical therapist who was, I think she was a massage therapist. Anyway, um, one day I talked to her, and I said, Where are you, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And uh, she said, well, I'm going to a restaurant, and one of my favorite restaurants, I'm going to eat there. I knew that she was a mother with a husband and three kids. So when she said, I am going to a restaurant, my favorite restaurant, I thought, that's kind of interesting. And I said, what's the rest of your family doing? And she said, well, they're, um, they're going to be at the in-laws. They'll be eating there. And I said, oh. And um, she said, yeah, we're... We're just kind of drifting apart, and we're separated right now. I said, well, that's, that's something that's just happened, isn't it? She said, yeah. Now, I wanted to say I am so sorry to hear that. But God led me. God put a hand over my mouth. <laughs> and I, instead, I said, how do you feel about that? She said, I think it's a good thing right now. She said, I need the time. He needs the time. I think our lives are going to come back together. We just got to sort some things out alone right now. And so how did she feel about it was more important right then to get to her heart than sympathizing, wasn't it? Because you can't sympathize with somebody until you know how they feel yet. And so I asked her the question, how do you feel about that? Well, she was happy, <laughs> you know, but, whereas I would be going, oh, how heartbreaking, you know, <laughs> spend Thanksgiving alone. And then you get down to people's needs. Now, you usually can't ask people about their needs. You need anything? No. But needs will come up in people's conversations. So I would encourage you to listen for needs. There, um, there's that saying, you can't probe for a person's heart with a fishing hook, no matter how, um, how effective it may seem to be or something like that. You can't probe for needs by, by, by asking questions. So people's needs, listen for them, because those are the heart cries that people have. Again, it's what's behind the wall, what's underneath the Band-Aid, behind the mask, below the surface. Remember, everyone you meet fears something, has lost something, and loves something. Look for the things that describe people's pain, their losses, their fears, and their dreams. I once talked to a pastor who was, he pastored a very large Seventh-day Adventist church, huge. And the question was asked him, how do you get to people's hearts when you have thousands of them? He said, when we visit our members, we ask them, what was the hardest loss that they ever experienced in their life? And they will tell us, what well, was my, when my grandfather passed away, or you know, when my two-year-old died and we had to bury her, things like that. They would tell him what the greatest loss in their life was. When did that happen? And he would put it down in a calendar. 
And every year, on the yearly anniversary of the hardest experience they'd ever had, he would give them a card or a phone call. See, he was able to connect with the greatest point of pain in his audience's life. And through that, he was able to win the confidence and reach the hearts of people. And I haven't done it yet, but I've thought about doing that with my neighborhood. I've thought about that because what happens in grief and things like that is you get a lot of support when it first happens. And then people go on and they forget about it. But every time that that time rolls around in the year, you generally don't forget about it. And so find ways to connect with the pain in people's life. And through that, you will reach their hearts. Okay, reveal God through your life. Pray for wisdom to see the heart as God sees it. Enter into the sorrows of others. That's what we were just covering now. And then, finally, start spiritual conversations. You know, you've heard the thing that people say, you know, stay away from religion and politics because that's where you get into controversy. And I'm going to suggest that we need to go into spiritual topics with people because the outer part of a person's life, let's see if I have it on here. There we go. This, This is like the wrapping paper. Conversations about things in life, stuff of life. That's like the wrapping paper. Conversations about people's relationships is getting a little deeper. But if you want to get to the heart of people, you're going to have to talk about God because that's, that's where he lives. That's where he wants to live. That's, where, that's the place in a person's life where they have the questions about God. So you're going to have to talk about God. How did Jesus do it? Jesus found access to minds by the pathway of their most familiar associations. So where is the conversation going to start? With things that they're familiar with and they, they easily talk about. So it's okay for your conversations to start there, but where are you headed? You're headed to the heart. Exactly. You're headed in the direction of where the heart is. And so you're headed to something spiritual. I like to think about it about going down a highway, 60 miles an hour with with someone, driving down the highway, talking about what? The things of this life, the people in their life, all those things that they're familiar with, that they want to talk about. You're talking about that, but you're always looking for an exit. You're always looking for a spot in the conversation that could take you off that fast highway and into a little parking lot where you can have some one-on-one with them about God. So think of your conversations. You've got to get in the lane with them first. And that means you're going to talk about the things that matter to them. Their pets, their kids, their education, their job, their interests, their hobbies, the things that they've done lately, the things that have been happening, catching up with their life. You've got to stay current with them, stay close to them. But you're looking for what? Looking for the highway exit to slow down and talk about spiritual things. You're trying to find your way to the heart. Jesus did this by being social and coming close to people. And by this, you can... What was the next word that's underlined? Turn. So the conversation is going which way? Worldly. That's not bad. It's just the things of this life. And you want to do what with it? Turn it in a new direction so that it's going to spiritual things. And this is an art. This is something that I have been fascinated with doing. I love to think every time I'm in a conversation, how can I get to the heart? Where is the exit to go into something spiritual with them? And in order to do this, I, I use this little model. It's from a lady by the name of Rebecca Manley. It's either Pippert, I think, Pippert, I think is her name. She did some uh, DVDs called Out of the Salt Shaker. But anyway, she has this little model for conversation. I call it Izzer because I can remember that. Can you say that with me? Izzer. 
ISR. Investigate, ask questions about the things that they're interested in. Stimulate and then relate. Okay, so I want to, let's take some examples. Let's say you're talking to a fashion designer. You're talking to a fashion designer and what do they do? They design clothes, all right? So what are you going to do first? You're going to investigate. So please tell me some questions you could ask a fashion designer. Where'd you go to school? What kind of clothes do you design? Okay. Say again. Where do you get the materials from? Where do you buy your fabric? Things like that. Where do you get your ideas? Are there any other fashion designers that really inspire you? Okay. Any other questions you could ask them? And you realize we might only come up with two or three here, but if you're in the conversation, one question will lead to another. Oh, well, that's interesting. So have you been to Madagascar? You know, have you been to, you know, have you been to France? Whatever. Things like that. Oh, have you ever met that person? And again, it's showing an interest, the pathway of their, their common pathway of their thoughts. You're going down the highway with them, down the interstate, taking a nice drive with them. Now, what could you say that would stimulate a thought that had possibly never struck them before? So now you're going to start slowing down for the exit. No, please go ahead. Yeah, please go ahead. Yes, exactly. Why did you choose fashion design? What drew you, attracted you to that? Okay, very good. Now you're going to get into more stimulating the thought. Yes, please. Yeah, okay. If you find out that they're Christian, I've heard about other Christian designers who, who have done this with their career and things like that. You could go in that direction of, of carrying their thoughts in that way. Here's one that I've thought of. Do you know who the original fashion designer was? Have you ever thought about the original fashion designer? Guess what he designed? <laughs> you know? And so it's a stimulating question. And as you engage them in something that takes them to spiritual topics, then you can begin to talk to them about Jesus. But it's good to have permission. And so if I'm going to share something about my personal testimony or my life or something about what Jesus has done for them or something of the story of Jesus, May I share with you? So if I said to them, do you know who the original fashion designer, or have you ever thought of who the original fashion designer was? And they say, hmm, not really. You could say, do you mind? Do you mind if I share with you something that I thought of? Ask for their permission. Because when they say yes, they are actually allowing God to work in their life more. They're giving God, in the great controversy between good and evil, they're giving God more permission to work in their life. Plus, you're, you're engaging their mind to, to make that positive step in the right direction. Do you mind if I share with you? Well, no. Now you can tell them about the, the Garden of Eden and what Jesus did in the beginning and how he formed and shaped us, you know, and made us the, the models to put the clothes on, right? <laughs> the original design to put the clothes on. Or if they say, well, yeah, it would have been God. What do you think about that? You know, what, what role does God play in your life? Mm. Well, do you mind if I share with you just a couple things he's done for me? Mm. Just a couple things. And you know, the Bible tells us to taste and see. When you get onto spiritual topics with people, they're scared a lot of times. So I want you to share this much. This much. How much is that? Just a little bit. And then stop before they're done listening. Keep them hungry and thirsty. If you've awakened a thirst, keep them hungry and thirsty. Otherwise, they say, I knew it. 
I never should have let them talk to me about spiritual things. They've been talking to me for 30 minutes now. And I feel so backed in a corner, I'll never let that happen to me again. So take your little, take your little five minutes and that keeps them hungry and thirsty. They can think about it. Um, Pastor Louis Torres told me, he said, you seek to know 100% and seek to share 10%. I thought that was good. You know, it is good to try to know everything about a subject. But give the person the 10% that they're ready to hear. And that keeps the heart open. If you get out the fire hydrant and you tell them everything about the original fashion design and God's design for fashion and modesty and all those different things and, and things like that, they're going to go, whoa, 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 I didn't say yes to that. And you were, you were breaking boundaries here. You were trespassing. And I'll put up the no trespassing sign next time. So take, whenever you get to the heart, synonymous with getting to spiritual topics. Getting to the heart is getting to spiritual topics. Whenever you get there, needs, deeper things in the person's life, consider yourself on sacred ground. Consider yourself privileged and don't abuse the privilege. Keep yourself an open door to come back later. So those are what I call conversational highway exits, the ISR model. Please re- repeat it back to me. What does the ISR model stand for? Investigate, stimulate, relate. Investigate is questions. Stimulating is questions or comments that provoke thinking in a spiritual direction. And then relating, what do you say before you relate? May I? Do you mind? Would it be okay? And they usually will say yes. But still, something very vital and critical has happened by asking them. Reveal God through your life. Pray for wisdom to see the heart as God sees it. Enter into the sorrows of others. Start spiritual conversations. And finally, be prepared to see the divine opportunity to share the story of Jesus. I am discovering again and again and again and again, this is where life change happens when we share the story of Jesus with people. Who is watching for a favorable moment? Doing what? Watching for it. To speak words of kindness and love. Who loves to tell the story of him who so loved the world that he gave his life to redeem lost and perishing sinners? Tell me, when was the last time that somebody told you the story of Jesus? When was the last time that you saw witnessing done and the, the goal of it was to tell the story of Jesus. Unless you live in a different world than I do, it's a lost art. We don't do it very much. We sing the song, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, but we don't tell it very often. People need to hear it again and again. And there's a couple different ways to do this. God will give you opportunities to go through an overview of what Jesus did for our sins, what he did for our suffering. Just go through the life of Jesus. And if you just keep this timeline in your mind, you can do it without notes. I'm going to tell people what happened to Jesus when he was, before he was born. I'm going to tell people what happened to him when he was born. I'm going to tell people what happened to Jesus when he was a child. If all you can remember is a couple things, that's okay. It'll be different every time. I'm going to tell people what happened to Jesus when he was growing up. I'm going to tell people what happened to Jesus when he was in ministry, happened to him in the world and in the church. I'm going to tell people what happened to Jesus in the garden. I'm going to tell people what happened to Jesus on the cross. 
You see, you have your outline. It's the life, the stages of the life of Jesus. I'm just going to tell people what happened. Another approach that you can take is you can tell people the different areas of suffering that Jesus experienced. You know, I, I was wondering, I've been studying something, I was wondering if, I, if you would mind if I just shared with you some things that happened to Jesus. They've really helped me. Did you know that people verbally abused Jesus? They said this and this, and maybe you only remember one thing. That's okay. You know, they, they didn't think anything good could come in his life because of where he lived from. He heard these words. Words are hard, aren't they? And if you watch their eyes go down, and like you realize you've touched on a sore spot. You know, have people ever said something to you that hurt? And see how you're getting to the heart? Just by sharing the story of Jesus. And if you see that they get restless and, and things like that, you can wrap it up. You can just say, you know, it's, I'm really enjoying my study, and, and uh, thank you for having lunch together today. And uh, I hope maybe we can get together next week and drop it while they're thirsty. If you see that resistance, you can hold, you can pull back, rein yourself in, pull back. You know, don't get overzealous because you will, you will actually hurt yourself in the long run. Because there's an opportunity next week. Leave them thinking, because sometimes if people shut down, it's because something you said really hit home. Well, let it hit home and do its work before you just drown it in a bunch of other thoughts and they go. Oh. So keep it fresh in their mind. Keep those thoughts fresh in their mind. And, and just drop it. Just go on. Just back the conversation up. To get it away from those, the issues that they're kind of shutting down over. Get it back into something about... You can go back to the weather or the latest recipes or comparing notes on the latest car or whatever. You can go back to those things. You can get back on the highway, you know, and you'll be able to exit again later. So keep the conversation... Keep it enjoyable for people. It will get uncomfortable. Don't let that bother you, but then pull back and keep the door open for another opportunity. And the other thing is people, people many times will say things. Uh, a lot of times people tell you a lot about themselves and the jokes that they make and the things that they say. Nobody ever listens to what I say. You heard people say that? Nobody yeah, see, nobody cares about what I say. Well, that's an opportunity to say something really short, like, Jesus understands. So many times people didn't care anything about what he said. Just little tiny snippets. The Bible says, taste and see. Appetizers. Appetizers are the wonderful door openers to Bible studies. Appetizers. It just goes to show you, you have to do it yourself if you want something done. You can't depend on anybody. How do you get to the heart? Well, they just opened their heart. They just told you. They just told you. It's all up to me. Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus? You know? He asked his disciples to pray for him when he really needed them. It was all up to him. He didn't have anybody around him. And so... Again and again, you just drop those little seeds. But you're always looking to share what? Let me back up here. Where's it at the top? You're always looking to share the story of who? Jesus. Because when you share that story, it opens hearts. Anyone else think of an example of something someone might say that could cue you in to something they're dealing with? I don't want to lose my friends. 
I don't blame you. It's hard, isn't it? Friends are, friends are pretty special. When you get one, you don't want to lose them. You know, Jesus understands. It was hard for him when, when he said things and people didn't like it and then they wouldn't ever walk with him anymore. You know, and I'm thinking about the time when he talked to him about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. In John, John 6, I think it is. And uh, it says many of them, were, they were offended in him and many didn't walk with him anymore. That was hard. Ellen White talks about it and she t- describes how that affected Jesus. Jesus was hurt by things. He never, ever yielded even so much as in a thought or a feeling to the ideas of the enemy, but things hurt. He did allow the pain to be part of his earthly existence. Yeah, that's hard. Jesus had people that wouldn't, that wouldn't even talk to him anymore and made all kinds of false accusations just because he said something they didn't like. It hurts to have people not want to be with you anymore. Very good. Excellent, excellent example. All right, so you see, we're always looking for little, little highway exits to tell the story of Jesus and then tell it as an appetizer. Full meal? Yeah, all in time. So start with appetizers. That's how we want to reach the hearts of people. Start with appetizers. In order to tell the story of Jesus, we must know it. And you know, one of the real keys in order to be able to say, ah, oh, that reminds me of when Jesus went through this. Oh, that makes me think of what happened to Jesus. You know, Jesus understands. You have to have your mind filled the experiences of Jesus. So I encourage you, I don't know of any other more life-changing thing than to spend your devotional time studying the life of Jesus. And as you do that, you will fill your mind with the experiences that he had. And it doesn't hurt to say, oh, how would that today, what do people go, with, go through today that relates to what I just read about Jesus? You know, how is that like how we suffer today? And it's just always make those links. Make it so relevant. Listen to this. This is from Maranatha, page 77. It's in different books, but this is one that I want to read. It would be well to spend a thoughtful hour, how often? Each day, reviewing the life of Christ from the manger to Calvary. And I like this because if you start at the manger and you go all the way to Calvary, you're not only touching the different experiences, but you're going through the different stages of life of Jesus. So you're tracing his life through. We should take it point by point and let the imagination vividly grasp each scene. How can you let the imagination vividly grasp each scene? Slow down, thank you. <laughs> Read a sentence and stop for a while, right? Uh, one of the things that helps me is I ask the question, what do I see happening here? What do I hear? What do I smell? What do I taste? You know, sometimes you, there's nothing, but... Sometimes they're at the seaside, and so you can taste the salty, the salt in the air, you know? And what do I, what would I feel if I were there? These help my imagination to turn it into a picture, the words, the thoughts into a picture, so that I can see what it would have been like. And it really cements it in my mind, and it helps me to grasp it. So we should take it point, point by point and let the imagination vividly grasp each scene, especially the closing ones of his earthly life. The closing ones is where you have an intense account of all the different kinds of abuse. You have the physical abuse, you have the intimate abuse, you have the the, uh, verbal abuse, and you have the satanic and and religious abuse, all these things crushing down upon him. And so it is a very powerful time to spend our time. By thus contemplating his teachings and sufferings and the infinite sacrifice made by him for the redemption of the race, we may strengthen our faith, quicken our love, and become more deeply imbued with the spirit which sustained our Savior. And so in order to be ready to take those highway exits and share 
just little snippets from the story of Jesus with people need to soak your mind in the story itself. Our first work is with our own hearts. Day by day, we meet with those who take no interest in religious things. We talk with them. We visit among them. Do we show an interest in their spiritual welfare? Do we seek to share Jesus with them? Do we present Christ to them as the sin-pardoning Savior? With our own hearts, what? This is key. With our own hearts, warm with the love of Christ. Do we tell them about that love? May our answer be yes. Another way that we can soak our own minds in the experience of Jesus is to make a journal. Write down your experience. Go to the life of Jesus. Write down his experience that parallels it. If you've been rejected, just write that in a prayer to God. And next, next page, write down the experiences where Jesus was rejected. Again, you're bringing the suffering of Jesus into your very own life. Look for opportunities to tell the story. What is the story? The family origin of Jesus. He had a colorful family background, shameful um, crimes in his life, murder, immorality, stealing, lying, and more. He was from a place where people said, can anything good come from Nazareth? He was in a blended family. Stepfather, his real dad far away. Um, Stepbrothers. He had someone who was accused of being an unwed mother. And I'm just doing this quickly because we did it before, but I want to do a review for anyone who wasn't here. What, was, what is the story of Jesus and his conception birth? Mary was rejected as an unwed mother and condemned to be stoned to death. Jesus, as the unborn child, experienced that rejection. She was judged worthy of death. What was his experience as a newborn baby? Well, he was homeless, unsettled, had traumatic, frightening experience when an angel came and said, take the young child and flee into Egypt because Herod's trying to kill you fled at night in fear of death, and so we have Jesus experiencing these things. What about his childhood? Again, separated from his real father, blended family, didn't fit in, taunted by his half-brothers. Growing up, misunderstood by his parents. No mentor, no role model physically present with him. Had to live by faith in his heavenly father. Alone with no support. No one to believe in him or encourage him. He stood alone. His adult life in ministry, accused of having a devil, Viewed as extreme, falsely accused, hated, didn't fit in, all alone. Even his church didn't support him. It was his darkest hour. He was abandoned, verbally abused, intimately abused, humiliated and shamed, physically abused, and abused by religious leaders. Satanic abuse, rejection by his father. Does Jesus care about us? Amen. Forsaken by his followers. Had overwhelming pain, but said no to anything that would numb the pain. Asked the question why and didn't get an answer for a while my god my god why hast thou forsaken me and heaven was silent so he can identify with the times we ask the question and we don't get an answer right away lost his closest loved one when he was separated by death from his heavenly father lost safety security support reputation physical life relationships lost power became powerless helpless and weak left his position in heaven was he weak was he powerless did he have a bad re- reputation? No. He chose to do this because he knew the painful spots on the journey he would walk. And he knew you would need an answer to the question, where is God when I suffer? And there are people, millions of people around you asking, where is God? What now? What do I do? Look for the divine opportunities to reach the heart and share little snippets from the story of Jesus with them. And also look for opportunities when the time is right and you see that they're open Sit down and tell them the whole story. 
tell them the story of Jesus and see which parts of it awaken a desire for a greater walk with Jesus. You know, my husband was holding evangelistic meetings in our small little town of Northport, Washington. And in that town, you might have maybe 300 people living in the town, 600 in the whole area, and it's just tiny. And not too many people come to meetings. But one night he was there at the convention, the little um, community center, and he was there doing something. And this guy walks in. He's pretty influential in our tiny little town. And he starts asking my husband questions. And they have a good 45 minutes together. You just never know when those little snippets, those little appetizers, are going to turn into a desire for a whole full meal. So be ready to tell the story of what Jesus is to you and what he is to you. Listen to people. Notice the things they say and share something from the life of Jesus. And what do you say before you share? May I share a short story? Or may, I, may I share something with you? Do you mind if I tell you about? And then it's, a, it's really powerful to have prayer with people. May I pray with you about that? Do you mind if we pray together? If you think they have some barriers to being prayed with or prayed for, just say, you know, I'd like to pray for myself. Do you mind if we pray together? Put yourself in that point of needing Jesus. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.